السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ پیس اینڈ بلیسنگ فلا بی اپن آن اور لسنرز ویلکم ونس اگین ہیئر ان ڈرائیو ٹائم شو یو لسننگ ٹو انیک رحمان اینڈ ہیو جوائن بائی ڈاکٹر طارق پاجوا وی آر ہیئر ان دی لرن اسٹوڈیو وائس آف اسلام السلام علیکم ڈاکٹر طارق باجوا السلام پیس بی آن یو اینڈ آل آر لسنرز تھینک یو ویری مچ آئی ہوپ دیٹ وی آر گوئنگ ٹو ہیو انٹرسٹنگ پروگرام ٹوڈے آئی تھنک وی از دی فرسٹ ون از اباؤٹ دا کلائمیٹ کلائمیٹ پلجز um and uh, climate of course everybody knows that uh, it is changing and we are held responsible uh, and 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 it's said that the higher um on the development stage we are as a country the more we are getting into or taking part into or maybe held responsible for the change in the climate Uh, and the people who are suffering may not be responsible to that sort of percentage for which you know they are suffering because of that so everybody has everybody uh, i i think is more awareness coming about the climate change because people are being affected by the change in weather and mm-hmm. that is the 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 first thing and particularly it's not only that the the poor countries but even the rich countries they have um, recently struggled with the um, with the storms and the floods and um, the fires in the in, mm. in the in the forests and and they they are all suffering from the from, from us to um the to pakistan where there are floods and they, there is a there is a uh, sort of uh, news that it might be coming again the monsoon is coming and they are afraid that again the floods may hit in, in pakistan as well so um the world has officially entered an al nino phase i think this is a spanish word probably the pronunciation is correct but um sorry if it is uh, incorrect al al nino and according to the us science agency national oceanic and atmospheric administration noaa this natural weather event known as el nino has begun in the pacific ocean likely adding heat to the a planet already warming under climate change the united states scientists confirmed that el nino had started experts say it will likely make 2024 the world's hottest year researchers say there's now a 66% chance we will pass the 1.5 degree celsius global warming threshold between now and 2027 why is specifically mentioned about 1.5 celsius because that is what has been agreed that we should do something that the temperature does not go more than 1.5 celsius higher than what it is so the chances are rising due to emissions from the human activities and a likely el nino weather pattern later this year now islam gives guidance on all social economical political cultural and other substantial issues of life although climate change and environmental issues are contemporary Islam has been tackling them before they became such a grave threat to our planet that they are now. Islam has been giving us guidance on such matters for more than 1400 years and it's very very interesting that 
you know, later on, we are going to do the second hour of show is about the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Holy Quran. And one of the prophecy which we are going to discuss in detail is about the mention of change in climate, which would be um, the responsibility for that, the Holy Quran says, will be on the human beings that they will be responsible to um, cause change in the um, environment, uh, cause damage to the planet by what they are doing currently. It is also evident from the traditions of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that Muslims have a religious duty to safeguard the world's natural environment. For instance, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said that the world is sweet and green, and verily Allah has appointed you as a representative and trustee over it. Today we are going to discuss about El Nino and, and our countries doing and what the countries are doing enough. Are the countries doing enough to fight climate change now that more heat has already been added? So, um, Anik, what's Al Nino, if uh, I'm pronouncing it correctly? I hope <laughs> we both are pronouncing correctly. El Nino, you know, scientists predict that the weather patterns associated with El Nino are likely to cause a significant increase in global temperatures, uh, you know, in, in the coming years. And El Nino is a part of natural climate uh, phenomena called the El Nino Southern uh, oscillation or ENSO, which has two contrasting phases, El Nilo and La Nina. So during El Nino, uh, sea surface temperatures in the uh, tropical eastern Pacific rise above the long-term average, while La Nina is categorized, uh, categorized by stronger east to west winds to push warmer weathers further west. And, uh, you know, the under normal conditions, the Pacific Ocean's surface water is cooler in the east and uh, warmer in the west, uh, with trade winds blowing east to west. However, during Alino events, these winds weaken or reverse, and, you know, which leads to, to the east, e eastward movement of warm surface of waters. So, <clears throat> you know, global warming set to break a key 1.5 Celsius limit for first time and hitting the threshold would mean that world is 1.5 Celsius warmer than it was during the second half of the 19th century before fossil fuels emissions from industrialization really began to ramp up. And, uh, you know, the, the breaking the limit even for just for one year is worrying sign that warming is accelerating and not uh, slowing down. And the, the, the number of 1.5 uh, Celsius figure has become a symbol of global climate change negotiations. Countries agreed to pursue efforts uh, to per, to limit global temperature rises to 1.5 Celsius under the 2015 Paris Agreement. And uh, if we <clears throat> see uh, the, into this further, you know, back then they predicted that there was less than 20% of chance of breaking 1.5 Celsius in the five years ahead. But, uh, you know, that by the last year, this had increased to 50%, you know, a huge number. And now it's jumped to 66%, which the scientists, you know, say means it's more likely than not. And, you know, as Dr. Tariq Bai was mentioning in the beginning, it's very important <clears throat> to discuss this topic, whether, you know, we are doing enough to stop it. Are we, you know, taking the measures 
that how we can slow it down? Is there anything we are make, doing wrong? And I think people don't have awareness as well. The countries slowly and gradually, you know, understanding the the true importance to to think about it and work, you know, n- according to the nature, what nature wants to make make everything work, you know, in 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 the right the right direction. Of course, God is uh, handling everything, but God has given this world to us. And if we do not take care of that, definitely we'll see the changes. It's a similar uh, thing. If we have a house, if we, we want to take care of it, we can run everything smoothly. If you're not taking care of it slowly, you will see your leakage in the roof and so many other things. So the things is very you know basic to understand. A very you know small thing that whatever God has given to us is our responsibility to take care of it. If we are not, then ultimately we have to see the circumstances, and that's what we are seeing actually. And uh, that's what we'll be discussing as well. And now we asked the question on Instagram as well. You know, the question was: Country doing enough to fight uh, climate change? Seventeen percent said yes, and there's a huge, big number of eighty-three percent said no. So that means you know we are not doing enough, and we're seeing around us every single year, even Britain. You know, <laughs> never thought of it that there will be summertime or, or for good month. And I was looking at the weather. There's next week is warmer as well, and it's been a while seeing this and continues so many days you can feel something are changing things are changing it's not the same as it used to be so that means climate there's a climate change things are changing the transition is happening and if you know for for some for some countries it's fine but there are some countries who are facing you know uh, storms and the other things and to to stop that we need to basically see that how we can uh stop uh climate climate change and how we what we can do to uh you know make everything work in the hadith or the saying of the holy prophet peace be upon him it says that the world is beautiful and verdant and the verily allah be he exalted he has made you and his steward in it and he sees how you acquired yourselves so it's important to understand the duty we have towards uh the this world which God has given to us and we have to protect it at the end and it's our duty and we are uh you have to fulfill, fulfill fulfill our duty to take care of uh the the place we live in so we have our first guest uh, online um is Peter Gerard uh, who is the vice president of communications climate control and uh, we will be speaking to him uh, regarding our topic today and that as you are aware it is about the climate change um so welcome uh, peter uh, to our show here on drive time show uh, thank you for joining us this evening bring me i really appreciate it thank you so um uh, peter could you tell us about yourself and the missions of climate central Absolutely. So I'm the Vice President of Communications and I spend much of my time working with media to help them understand climate science in a way that helps them communicate it to broader audiences and that's really Climate Central's core mission. We're a research organization that makes climate science as accessible and understandable and and as localizable as possible so that people understand climate change in a way that relates to them personally. 
Yes, of course. I mean, this awareness uh, can make a change, and that obviously should be the uh, you know major part of any program. Uh, could you tell us about the Climate Matters program and what is it about? Climate Matters packages information about the very localized impacts of climate change for meteorologists. Uh, that includes TV meteorologists as well as people who cover weather for you know larger national and international print outlets. And it helps them show audiences what global warming is causing in their local areas so that they can see the impacts and the effects and the solutions in ways that they can relate to and understand in the context of their communities. Okay, so how does Climate Central contribute to improving public understanding and awareness of climate change? And number two, what strategies and tools do you use to communicate climate science to the general public? By giving people a scientifically based sense of what they're seeing and how it relates to the warming world, we can give them a sense of what the urgency is, how it's affecting them, and how they can individually and as communities uh, you know, voice their concerns and, and sort of express and, and talk about what they're seeing uh, you know, together again in individually. Um, and the most important aspect of the way we've been able to do that is by keeping to the science and keeping to the facts and trying to stay out of the politics and cultural conflicts that can muddy the issue. When you get material from Climate Central, you're getting what the science tells you about the phenomena and influences you're seeing around you. Uh, and we're not telling you who to vote for or what to vote for. Um, and we're hoping that when you understand those facts and you understand that they're coming from a voice you can trust, mm -hmm. no matter where you fall politically or philosophically, it helps you understand and talk about the world that you're seeing. Right, so it's, it's evidence-based information which we people are receiving from you so that they can trust it more. So the, another term which is used is climate shift index. Uh, would you be able to tell us what it is and what's the purpose of it? Yes. So this is attribution science, and this is a really rapidly advancing area of climate science where we're studying the world based on models as well as observational science uh, to compare what we are seeing now to what we might expect to see in a world without human-caused climate change, and the Climate Shift Index is showing you what the influence of climate change had on a particular day's temperatures virtually anywhere in the world. It's a simplified scale, and it shows you essentially when the heat you're experiencing is clearly caused by climate change, uh, and also when it isn't. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's um, so. So that gives you a realistic picture of the effect of the climate change. Um, it's generally for everyone, is it? Is it or just human beings? How they are being affected? It's temperature, and so it's and so it's everyone. Uh, mm. And when you're looking at these waves of heat that, in many cases, are attributable to climate change. Uh, you're, you're also looking at the impacts on the natural world around you, on farming and agriculture, on energy costs. So everything that's affected by heat, uh, you know, is, is 
is covered by what we're observing with the climate shift index. And again, this is giving you a clear sense of when those temperatures are clearly bearing the fingerprints of climate change. Okay, thank you. And, um, you know, there is uh, this recent, uh, because of the climate change, the, the effect um, which, uh, you know, there is extreme temperatures now and it is everywhere in the world. So extreme heat, obviously, it is a health hazard. So could you address the, the heat risks to our listeners, please? They're particularly sharp for people who can't avoid the heat. That means people who are working outside, people who can't get inside and into cooler places. It's one of the most inequitable effects of climate change because it tends to affect those who had the least to do with causing global warming uh, and, and, and affects them most acutely. Uh, and of course, it means that people with pre-existing medical conditions, heart conditions, breathing problems, uh, you know, in many cases, the elderly are those who are most at risk from dangerous temperatures, and they're becoming more and more common. Okay, um, you you know you mentioned that we that when you are providing information, it's not politically affected, but of course you know as you mentioned that the people who are responsible to cause the climate change are the are the less likely to be being affected by it. So, from Climate Central's perspective, are countries taking sufficient action to combat climate change? And what are the key indicators or factors that determine whether countries are effectively addressing the climate crisis? Unquestionably, no nation is doing enough to contribute to reducing climate change right now. Uh, and there is, there is blame more or less universally to be applied. Uh, nations simply are not acting fast enough, are not pledging enough cuts to emissions to slow down the effect of climate change fast enough to avoid the kind of suffering that we're already seeing around the world. Um, and there is some positive news. We're increasingly seeing national cooperation and it, things like the UN COP meetings, which is happening this year in Abu Dhabi, uh, that's taking place in November and December. You, you are seeing nations come to this negotiating table to talk about meeting these challenges, which almost certainly means reducing emissions. And, you know, increasingly you're seeing more cooperation and more signs that we are making progress. But as I said, right now, it's simply not adequate to address the kinds of crises that global warming and, and climate change are, are fomenting. Um, of course, I mean, the awareness has increased and people obviously are, are turning towards, uh, you know, considering it as a real issue and coming seriously to discuss over it. But still, there is a group of people who would say, oh, it is just a conspiracy. There's nothing has much changed. It is, it is the same as it has been changing. So what, how do you address them? It's, you know, you're right. More and more people are becoming aware. And unfortunately, the best or at least most effective way for people to change their minds about how they're personally affected by it or be involved in, in disasters and, you know, crushing heat waves and to experience the economic turmoil that is generated by climate change 
Uh, and so the, the ranks of people who don't prioritize and don't think that climate change is an issue that needs their urgent attention are, are thinning. Um, and, you know, frankly, presenting the science, presenting the facts and showing them how they are personally affected, how their enterprises are affected, how their governments are affected, um, has slowly reduced those, those numbers of people who, who don't take this seriously uh, to a smaller and smaller proportion uh, seemingly every year. Uh, thank you, Peter, for coming on to our show today. It has been a pleasure talking to, do and to you, and uh, I think our listeners must have enjoyed that as well. I hope that people, more and more people understand and we are able to jointly do something about this climate change. Thank you for joining us, and have a nice evening. Thank you so much. I really appreciated it today. Thank you. So that was Peter Gerard, uh, who was uh, who is a, a vice president of the Climate Central, and he was talking about the change in how they are doing their bit in order to make people more aware and uh, about um, the climate phenomena which is happening. Uh, and we we earlier used the term El Nino. Uh, how does El Nino change the weather? That's the question. So El Nino is a climate phenomena that affects weather patterns globally. And, uh, Anik, could you tell us yeah. how does it change the weather? Uh, you know, before our guests, we were discussing El Nino, and uh, uh, there's another one called, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, El Nina. Uh, La, La, La Nina. La Nina. Uh, yeah. El Nino and La Nina. So we're discussing here now, and that El Nino, how, you know, it, it changes the weather. First of all, you know, the, the, the temperatures during El Nino warmer water spreads and stays closer to the ocean surface and this releases more heat into the atmosphere you know resulting in wetter and warmer air and uh, the, the increased heat can have an impact on global temperatures second you know rainfall, rainfall changes we see that uh, the change of rainfall and how it changes. And now we'll explain that El Nino alters the position of the Pacific jet stream, causing it to move southward and eastward. This shift brings wetter weather to southern parts of the United States and the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, conversely, regions like Southeast Asia, Australia, and Central Africa often experience drier conditions. So it does not mean that, you know, if one place is affecting, everybody is, is, is affecting somehow because of this transition. On some places, there are more rainfall, but there are some places they are more drier. Then if we move further, the third is, you know, trip, you know tropical storms. Alino affects atmospheric uh, circulation patterns leading to more tropical storms in the tropical Pacific, but fewer in the tropical Atlantic, including southern parts of the United States. The fourth is carbon dioxide levels increases. El Nino events have been associated with increased CO2 levels in the in the atmosphere. This could uh, be due to warmer and drier conditions in the tropical regions, resulting in reduced plant growth and decreased CO2 absorb absorption. So, additionally, more wildfires particularly in places like South Asia, contributes to the releases of CO2. So we see every single thing is affecting because of this transition. 
which we are not saying is increase of carbon dioxide. If that happened, the another thing is linked to it. And we see there are more, you know, wildfires. We have been seeing in, in Australia, they are in, in, in forests. So we need to understand that if we do not take this uh, seriously, then slowly, as we are seeing even now, the changes, the, the warmer weather, some are getting more rains. There are some countries, some regions are not, uh, they're, they're more drier, more warmer. Similarly, as I mentioned, the, you know, the, 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 the uh, growth of plants, that decreased. So it's very important to understand that the climate change is not a myth. It's something which is very important we have to pay attention to and we have to understand that there is something we need to do. You know, we live in a country. What are we can do? We can raise our voice. We can raise awareness as well and we can discuss with the, the MPs you're on, on, on a higher level that what can be done to, you know, stop the climate change, what can be done to decrease the level which we see, uh, or the, you know, the climate change we see around us. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, we, we have our ne- next guest who is uh, on, on telephone with us, Aidan Sharon. Um, he is Earth Day Organization's End of Plastic Coordinator, and uh, I welcome him on the show today, this drive time show uh, uh uh, on Voice of Islam Radio, and uh, welcome, Aidan, for and thank you for coming on on the show today. Hey, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Aidan. Um, so, what I would like to know is if you could tell us about the Earth Day organizations and the work you do as End of Plastics Coordinator. Sure thing. So, Earth Day organization is a uh, organization started out of the first Earth Day in 1970. Mm-hmm. Um, and we focus on advocating for all environmental issues, whether that's plastic pollution, climate change, biodiversity. We try to find a way to educate people and activate people to become advocates themselves for the environment. Um, and as, as the end plastic coordinator, my focus is education and advocacy around plastic pollution. So whether that's attending meetings at the UN or local government meetings to figure out what ways they can push themselves to combat plastic pollution. Right, okay. So plastic pollution obviously has become one of the <laughs> most uh, prese- uh, pressing environmental issues. Could you tell us more about the End of Plastic campaign and what is its aim and goal? So our main aim is to educate and advocate. Um, so part of that is figuring out exactly what the issue with plastics is. So a lot of people are aware of the environmental issues. We've all seen the pictures of the turtle with a straw on its nose, but a lot of people don't realize about the health issues that it imposes on people. Mm-hmm. So recently, more and more studies have come out about the health issues, whether it's interrupting our endocrine system, interrupting our digestive system, or just messing with our immune responses. Mm-hmm. So part of our campaign is to make sure people realize how dangerous plastic and the additives can be. Right. Okay. And uh, obviously, I mean, there, there are some health concerns about the plastics and how, how it affects the generally the, the people, even the use of plastics. So, so do you, do you um, give the information to people to avoid plastic? Yeah. So on our website, we have a health tracker where me and a group of others at birthday went through kind of scour the internet and all of our other resources to find studies around 
the health effects of plastic, and we take that and we simplify it into a short paragraph so people can have a kind of general understanding of it, and if they want more information, they can go through the link and read the whole study themselves. Um, that's kind of one of our big pushes this year is to let people know that plastic may be really convenient, may be really great for certain things, but it can be really dangerous for people and the environment. Right, okay. So, um, you know, the climate change is the other topic we were discussing earlier, and the climate change is a pressing global issue. So how does the Earth Day organization raise awareness about climate change and advocate for climate action? So we have a wide range of things that we do. We have the Great Global Cleanup Initiative, doing cleanup and then telling, you know, those volunteers about climate issues as well as plastic issues. We have education campaigns where we try to change curriculums to include climate change as a main curriculum point because not many curriculums around the world do, and it's one of the most pressing issues of our time, if not the most pressing issue of our time. Um, we just went through some of the highest temperatures ever recorded, so <laughs> kind of a big issue and one that we want to make sure people are aware of. Mm -hmm. uh, we also go and attend certain events like COP27. We were there last year at the first climate education pavilion. So another way we're just trying to spread advocacy and trying to spread the word about how dangerous climate change is and mm -hmm. kind of push countries to do more for it. Right. Okay. And, and how, how far do you think you have been successful in doing that? I think we have been fairly successful. Um, in the last couple of years, especially with our climate education campaigns, um, climate education was not really talked about recently until we started really pushing it and started going to these top events and started going around all over the world to try to push people to include climate education as a main point in their government. Right. Okay. So could you tell us uh, what the great global cleanup is about and how a person, you know, just for our listeners' interest, how a person can take part in it. Yeah, um, so the Great Global Cleanup is our cleanup initiative. Um, anybody can join. You can go to our website, earthday.org, and go over to our campaign, down to the Great Global Cleanup, to do a volunteer cleanup event. You can do it anywhere. You can do it on the street. You can do it in the park near you. You can do it on the bike trail near you. Um, it doesn't matter. Anywhere you can do a cleanup you can become part of the great global cleanup. But we also realize that cleaning up an area is not the end solution to the trash or plastic problem in our ever trash issue. So part of our program is also to turn those volunteers into advocates for the planet and educate them on the best ways to join in and fight for a cleaner planet, whether that's through legislation, calling your mayors, calling your local representatives, or just kind of educating them on the different effects that trash can have on the planet. Okay, so um, what, what do you say on the on this topic? You know, of climate change. Is, are the countries they they're doing enough to fight climate change? And what role can people and countries play in creating a sustainable future? So there are certain countries that do more than others. Um, that's just. Any, any topic you can bring up, some countries are doing more than others. I'm based here in the U.S., and I do not believe the U.S. is doing, the United States is doing enough to combat climate change. Um, and it's an issue around, if we start addressing climate change, we have to think about changing the way our economy works, and that's around a lot of people's bottom line. But the best thing they can do now is invest in climate change solutions. The best thing governments can do is invest in climate change solutions, because right now, 
it's an issue, but 10 years down the road, it's going to be a larger issue. It's mm-hmm. going to cost a lot more money for us, and it's also going to hurt the people that live in these nations. Right? It's, we're seeing more and more severe weather events, which is going to lead to more drought, which is going to lead to starvation, which is going to lead to illness. It's, just, it's an environmental and a human issue. Those two are not separate. Um, but what people can do is reach out to their local representatives and push them to do more for climate change, uh, push them to come up with solutions, push them to invest more into these climate change solutions. Okay, that, that's great. Any message you want to convey to the listeners about your Earth Day organization or the plastic, you know, plastic pollution? Yeah, please visit earthday.org and go through and check out all of our campaigns, including the plastic campaign. And kind of check out our plastic health tracker. Um, it kind of goes through all the things I listed as health effects, as well as our other campaigns, including the Great Global Cleanup, where you can sign up to be a cleanup volunteer, and then our Canopy Project, which is our reforestation efforts uh, internationally. Okay, thank you very much, Aidan. Thanks for joining us uh, at uh, Radio Voice of Islam Drive Time Show. Thanks for coming and uh, speaking to our listeners. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, and uh, hope that we'll uh, talk to you again sometimes. Have a nice evening. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. So that was Aidan Sharon. He was uh, from Earth Day Organizations and a plastic coordinator. He's talking about plastic pollution as well as the climate change and as you uh, you know as we are um, talking on the topic you ha- you you must have understood how you know it is important and people are getting involved more and more into it, uh, it because it's not an individual effort it has to be the countries getting involved making plans doing things um, and uh, rather than you know sitting on or discussing about the conspiracy theory because mm. it is evidence-based now we have scientific facts which are coming that the temperature is rising more than 1.5 celsius and and we are not able to hit the target to keep it under that level, and it is uh, the effect, you know, everybody is suffering from heat when the heat wave comes, and it's not only the, the, the countries which did not experience heat before, mm. but even those who had heat, they also mentioned that they, the, the heat now is much more than what it used to be, and they're seeing first-hand effects of the floods, storms, fires, and all the natural disasters people are suffering. And of course, uh, climate change is playing a major role in that. So we were uh, discussing Alina before our guest, and um, I, I would take that further thing. Uh, uh, as, I was, as I was saying before, you know, uh, Alina making a temperature change and rainfall changes in the region, so as, you know, tropical storms coming. And the increase of carbon dioxide and that uh, you know affects to the plant growth, and there's so many things interlinked. And um, you know, the El Nino has significant impact on weather patterns. Its effect can vary in different regions and from one event to another. These variations make it challenging to predict precise outcomes uh, for the specific area, and that's why we need to work together to understand, you know, the, I'm no country where normally it's very hot nowadays, but uh, I've been tell- uh, somebody was telling me, this particular area, it's not that hot as well. 
the things are changing. There are countries who are very hot. There are some they have become even more hot than before, more warmer than before. But there are some feeling more, you know, a bit cold weather. So the things are changing slowly and gradually, and we need to think that how we can stop it. And if we discuss further, and why you know do these climate patterns matter? The extreme weather events, you know, caused by El Nino and La Nina affect infrastructure, food, and energy system around the world. El Nino in, in, in Spanish means the boy, and La Nina means the girl. El Nino in Spanish means the boy, as I mentioned. So infrastructure, as I mentioned earlier, that is impacting infrastructure, food, and energy system are affected by extreme weather events caused by these patterns. Alino can reduce the availability of uh, nutrients in the ocean, impacting uh, marine species, species and uh, fishing uh, communities. And drought and flood caused by Alino events can harm food security, affecting millions of people. And economic growth can be significantly reduced due to the effect of Alino events. And these patterns disturb agriculture energy production and fisheries impacting livelihood and global trade so understanding and uh, you know monitoring these climate patterns is crucial for uh, prepare beforehand the negative impacts which can be there and it's as i was been saying from the beginning it's not something we are you know thinking about the rain or one thing the floods everything is interlinked you know, there would be drought, there would be less food, there will be uh, effect on agriculture. And, you know, we are pr producing energy. If the winds are flowing the other way, as things are changing continuously, that will affect the whole thing or whole, you know, infrastructure has been made to run this whole world, even though I have all countries running in their own way. But at the end, you know, the provision uh, can affect and of course, other countries can't be sitting there to see, you know, if somebody is in flood. And of course, in this world, people do try to help the countries, do try to help other countries which are going through the storms or natural disasters. But the thing is, rather than helping later, after so many innocent lives have gone, it's better to work on this, sit down and, you know, have a better plan that how this can be stopped. Now, you know, our countries on track to meet their climate pledge thus this is our you know main object to discuss uh, this topic today to discuss whether are we doing enough or not if you're not then uh, you know what is the solution so every year you know countries the pledges to cut their greenhouse gas emissions in an effort to curb the impact of climate change but still global temperatures keep rising and a new report from UN Climate Change highlights that while countries have made progress in reducing greenhouse gas emissions, these efforts are insufficient to limit global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius by the end of the century. The combined climate pledge of 193 parties under the Paris Agreement could lead to around 2.5 degrees Celsius of warming by the end of the century. Although, you know, the, the current commitments show improvement compared to last 10-year assessment emissions are projected to increase by 10.6% by 2030 compared to uh, 2010 levels. The report emphasizes that uh, emissions need to be significantly reduced to align with the goals of the Paris Agreement and the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC, has 
indicated that emissions should be cut by 45% to 43% by 2030, depending on the baseline year, to limit temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius. So, a separate report on long-term low-emission development strategies reveals that countries' plans for net zero emissions by mid-century could result in a 68% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. However, many net zero targets are uncertain and postpone critical actions that need immediate attention. Ambitious climate action before 2030 is crucial to achieve the long-term goals of the. Paris Agreement. The report underscores the need for stronger climate action and increased ambition from major emitters. It emphasizes that urgent measures are required to keep the 1.5 degree target within reach, and urges nations to strengthen their climate action plans and implement them in the next eight years. Um, COP26 President Alok Sharma said. It is critical that we do everything within our means to keep 1.5 degrees Celsius in reach, as we promised in the Glasgow Climate Pact. These reports show that although we have made some progress and every fraction of a degree counts, much more is needed urgently. We need the major emitters to step up and increase ambition ahead of COP27. Recently. The fifth caliph and the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, has, uh, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper. He has insightfully responded to a question on climate change and how to tackle it. This was during a virtual online meeting held with Indonesia's Wakfinau, that's the Life Devotees, in January 21. What he said was that climate change is a problem everywhere, all across the world. especially in the third world countries where the population is increasing disproportionately just to accommodate the increased population nations are developing new residential areas and because of this forests are being cut and this deforestation is a major cause of climate change so you have to be very particular that whenever one tree is cut two trees should be planted in return Fuel consumption should also be reduced. Now people have become so lazy that if they want to go from one place to another, and the distance is only hundred yards or two hundred yards, instead of walking to the place, they use their motorbike or their car. So in this way, pollution is increasing. So there are so many other factors which are also causing pollution and climate change. So we have to be very careful. Although we cannot say that because of the fear of climate change, we should not have children. So this guidance therefore sheds light on the ways we can adapt our behaviors to preserve our planet's natural habitats and resources. The Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He said that there is none among the Muslims who plants a tree or sows seeds, and then a bird or a person or an animal eats from it, but is considered as a charitable gift for him. So that's a great um, sort of. Uh, Inspiration for anybody to to plant a tree, um, because it is ongoing charitable act which will not only himself but his coming generations would benefit out of that. So, what is the Islam's guidance on tackling the crisis of climate change? So, first of all, I think the the first thing, first point is pro- so. Pro- 
prohibition of wastage. wastage yes. So in line with this teaching, Islam has prohibited the wastage of all natural resources and their excessive consumption. You know, very, very minor things even because the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he has guided that even when you are performing ablution, mm. preparing for, for your prayers, you know, don't waste water because he said that you will be held accountable for the wastage of water because it is something which is essential and there are places and there are people who die of lack of water, particularly lack of clean water. So if you are wasting it, that is, you, you are going to be held accountable for that. So, so that much importance Islam has given to preserving the resources and not wasting them. Allah the Almighty has stated in the Holy Quran that eat and drink, but exceed not the bounds. Surely he does not love those who exceeds the bounds. This is from chapter 7, verse 32. And it is a golden principle for health as well. And in the prevention of health, I think if this one particular thing is considered all the time, whenever we are eating, we are drinking, we keep to, to the bounds and we do not overdo it. We do not overeat. We do not drink what is not necessary. And um, so if we, we remain within the bounds, then we will be much healthier because many of the illnesses have been uh, found to be related to the overweight. If you put on weight, it's, uh, the obese people, you, you are increasing your risk of to your health, and it's not only the um, your heart conditions, but your lung conditions, there, your metabolic syndromes like diabetes, uh, and uh, many other problems which are associated, and your immunity mainly is affected, and if your immunity is reduced, then you are um, subjected to a lot more infections as well, not only bacterial, but viral infections as well. So this principle should be kept in mind. Uh, Allah has also instructed not to focus on extravagance and to share the benefit of everything that he has bestowed upon man. And he it is who brings into being gardens, trellised and untrellised, and the date palm and cornfields whose fruits are of diverse kinds, and the olive and the pomegranate alike and unlike. Eat of the fruit of each when it bears fruit, but pay his due on the day of harvest, and exceed not the bounds. Surely Allah loves not those who exceed the bounds. That is uh, from chapter 6, verse 142 of the Holy Quran. Also in this regard, the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, may peace be upon him, himself set a golden rule and he said, don't waste water even if you were by a running river. Well, that's interesting. You know, there are running river, you know, it doesn't, doesn't even come to your mind that, you know, you're wasting water. But he said that even if you are by a running river, you should not waste um, because, you know, he, he could see his vision was that it is not limited to the person who is next to the river, but this river is for everyone, and everyone where it is going is going to take benefit out of it, so it should not be wasted in any way. Uh, and this is also because water is the origin of life, the Holy Quran says, and we made from water 
every living thing. Indeed, uh, Dr. Tariq Bajwa, you know, <clears throat> one thing as we're discussing, uh, you know, change and the climate change especially, one of the questions, you know, arises and uh, people discuss that why there is, uh, you know, disasters, natural disasters. I think one of the discussion we had today, we understand through this discussion and by going through, through, you know, El Nino and uh, La Nina that things are changing. It's because of us. God, you know, he doesn't want to harm anyone. But, you know, God has given us to this world and we have to protect it at the end. And if we are not protecting it, that means we are somehow becoming the reason of those climate changes. We don't see what's been happening. Of course, there are certain things uh, which earthquakes sometimes comes and need to, you know, the plates underneath they need to fix up, which is for the co- good cause for this for us to live on this earth. But the storms, you know, the, the, the fire in the forest, it's purely, you know, it's one of the things which are happening because of the uh, not taking care of or, or proper care of climate change and transition is happening and we see the disasters around us. Even though God is protector, he wants to protect us and he take care of us uh, all the time. But if we are not, uh, you know, taking care of it, then indeed, ultimately, we have to see the consequences. And one of the things uh, we would like to discuss is recycling as well. I think one of the very important topic to recycle. And regarding this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, also encouraged the recycling and instructed us to utilize and benefit from whatever material we have. You know, once a sheep died, so the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, said to its owner, why don't you remove its skin, then tan it so you can have something useful from it? So even though it's died and that's going to get buried, but rather than, you know, taking off uh, the other sheep, it's better to use it rather than wasting something. So the main thing is to don't do not waste whatever you have. Try to use those means as, you know, we look in the lifetime of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. He has mentioned regarding every single thing. It's a beauty when I read uh, the saying of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. He has mentioned very small things, very tiny things. Sometimes we don't think or sometimes we think, What's the reason of mentioning these? We already know. But when you read the saying of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, we find that there is something, you know, which we were lacking, something we didn't know. But there is a wisdom of mentioning this small hadith. You know, when you were mentioning about the do not waste water, even you were by a running river. Yeah. Sometimes what we do, we are just walking past and sometimes we take some water out, just out of fun and just throwing it out. Mm. It's yeah, a possibility, right? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> we throw it at each other. Somebody's sitting outside and we are in the water. We're just throwing the water out. Somehow we are wasting. So the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, understood the, you know, the, the, there's a need. And if we, we are wasting it, you know, some people are not fortunate enough to have that clean water. If you are, then you have to protect rather than wasting it. You know, this is uh, very interesting that there is another hadith which is about walking towards the mosque. Hmm. You know, he said that, you know, when you are walking, now this is that rather than taking a car, mm. you know, if you're walking, mm. what he mentioned was that there is, for every step you're walking towards the mosque, there is a degree of reward for you. Mm. 
So that also encourages you that, you know, why if you are able to walk that mm. distance, you know, and you will be, uh, you know, at every step you are get, getting some reward for that, then, you know, you, you might like to take a longer route basically mm. so that you are you, you get more reward of reward. going to the mosque because you are going to the mosque anyway. And if you just a few minutes, you start early rather than, uh, you know, going at the last minute and then thinking, oh, let me take my car, otherwise I'll get late. So if you, if you plan it, uh, five minutes, ten minutes before, then you'll have that that walk, and um, you know if you, um, you if you are living at a distance of like two thousand steps or one thousand steps from from the mosque, you know, and go, you go five times a day walking, then your ten thousand steps target will be fulfilled very easily without even you noticing it. So, so, so you I, know, somebody can say there was no cars in that time, but we, I think they could have gone on horses. They just get up on the horse and go to the mosque. <laughs> Even then, you know, the Holy Prophet, as you mentioned, uh, he basically encouraged through mentioning this, there's a reward of walking towards the mosque. And there must be so many, you know, yeah, there wisdom are the behind benefits it. of walking as yes. well. He always, he also used to walk in the morning as it as a routine as well, just to, to keep himself fit. And uh, obviously, it's related to the health as well. It keeps you healthy. And uh, if you are healthy, you know, you are lowering the burden of your, your, your becoming a liability on the society who are supposed to look after you as an ill person. So that is also a responsibility you are, uh, you know, you're fulfilling. So the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he established in Mecca um, that uh, can be considered today a conservation project whereby plants, animals, and living species are protected. He said, until the day of judgment, it's, yeah, that means the earth's green grass is not to be uprooted, its trees are not to be cut, and its game not to be hunted. That comes from Sunan An-Nasai, one of the uh, traditions book. Uh, however, implementing the te teachings and principles of environmental responsibility can be challenging in practice. As Muslims, we have a duty to care for the earth, as prescribed by God Almighty, and it should be an integral part of our life to fulfill this responsibility. It is essential to integrate climate-friendly practices into our daily routines. This can include reducing food waste, contemplating our consumer choices, and adopting behaviors that demonstrate our love for the planet. In addition, we can support initiatives that promote sustainable livelihoods for communities. This may involve activities like beekeeping, raspberry farming, or tree planting. By doing so, we contribute to the sustainable utilization of Allah's beautiful creation rather than exploiting it. So um, uh, the, the fact is that you know we can, if we if we have uh, awareness of how we are going to affect the climate of the world, so we are doing something which is going to be beneficial for mankind. And if we do so, we know that we will be rewarded by God Almighty, and we will leave the world in a better condition than um, you know we are we are making it um, getting worse. So that that will be beneficial for all of us. Indeed, I think everybody should have given the task to plant one tree. I think every nation could do it every month, one plant, and make a huge difference. And again, we have to take part in these kind of uh, activities. So may Allah enable to do so. Now we're going to go to short uh, news break, and we will be off back after that. We'll discuss another topic.
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessing of Allah be upon all our listeners. Welcome once again here in Drive Time Show. You're listening to Anika Rahman and I'm joined by Dr. Tariq Bajwa. You can uh, indeed call us on 0208-687-7878 and tweet at Voice of Islam UK. In this particular hour, we'll be discussing another topic uh, which is related to prophecies in the Holy Quran and the fulfillment and how it could fulfill and to understand what the prophecies are and you know how the Quranic prophecies especially go fulfilled and is there any yet to be uh, fulfilled or is there any being fulfilling right now? And we'll be discussing it in detail and we will be having some guests on the show who will be discussing uh, this topic and giving us more insight that uh, uh, regarding the prophecies of the Quranic, Quranic prophecies. If I discuss, you know, what is prophecy? The prophecy is foretold news about any future event uh, in religious world or prophecy quite dis- d- uh, distinct from an educated and wise guess is considered the most authentic uh, citation of a vital proof for the truthfulness of otherwise of a prophet. Mr. Douglas uh, E. Kruger in his book says what is atheism? A short introduction writes that some criteria are needed in order to distinguish cases of lucky guesses from those of true prophecy. According to Douglas E. Kruger uh, there are five criteria to define a true prophecy. First one, he says, the prophecy must be clear and it must contain sufficient details to make its fulfillment by a wide variety of possible events unlikely. Second, he says, the event that can fulfill the prophecy must be unusual or unique. Third, the prophecy must be known to have been made before the event that is supposed to be its fulfillment. Fourth, it says that the event foretold must not be of the sort that could be the result of an educated guess. And fifth, he said, the event that fulfills the prophecy cannot be stacked or the relevant circumstances manipulated by those aware of the prophecy in such a way as to intentionally cause the prophecy to be fulfilled. So according to these criteria, we see that the Quranic prophecies, some of which are presented here, you know, prove to be quite genuine and true. No one can ever imagine that an illiterate person living in a nomadic society of Arabia 1400 years ago can predict such amazing scientific events as mentioned here under uh, to happen. It is very well beyond the human capacity to foretell or even visualize some incredible incidents. So the whole only convincible source of these prophecies and predictions is purely divine. Interestingly, all such prophecies are fulfilled by those who were not Muslims. Rather, many of them are atheists. Thus, no question of, you know, taking the prophecy and manipulating the circumstances arises. So, in today's show, we'll be discussing the prophecies mentioned in the Holy Quran, which go fulfilled. And uh, we will be discussing this topic further with our guest who will be, you know, mentioning and sharing some prophecies and giving us more insight that how these prophecies uh, got fulfilled. 
Now uh, we will gonna go to our <clears throat> first guest, Imam Rabi Mirza. Assalamu alaikum. I hope uh, you are with us. Uh, thank you very much, Imam Rabi Mirza, for joining us today. Just to give a brief introduction, he's a missionary of Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Associ- uh, Muslim Association and uh, he's currently serving in the MTA, the official channel of Ahmadiyya Muslim Association. To start with, uh, Imam Rabib, I would like to ask you, could you please tell our listeners, you know, what is the prophecy? We have briefly touched upon this topic, but if you can please explain a bit more, that what is the prophecy and what is the significance of the prophecies in the life of the prophets? So, prophecy or the nature of a prophecy is, uh, to put it in simple terms, is basically to showcase the might of God Almighty. And the prophecies um, that are vouchsafed to prophets, um, they are actually a means to showcase that they have been commissioned by God Almighty for the sole purpose of uh, reforming mankind. And they have been given these prophecies that uh, speak about the events that are going to transpire in the latter days and the beauty about these prophecies is that you know where on the one side we are talking about the might of god almighty on the other side it, it actually showcases that the prophets they have been sent by god almighty otherwise how is it possible that a human being can determine that these events are going to transpire yes people are lucky or there's the element of luck in regards to how things transpire in the world but to say with certainty that god almighty has told me that such and such event is going to take place or such and such thing is going to happen um at this time or god almighty states that certain events are going to take place in the future you know, all of these things uh, come to that focal point that ultimately it is God Almighty's might and power that is supporting a prophet. And he, on the basis of that support that he gets from God Almighty, he is vouchsafed these, you know, these, these things with regards to the unseen. Uh, and thank you very much for, you know, giving us um, insight and especially for our listeners, they must have benefited from this. Just to uh, move moving on further, as we are discussing today the chronic prophecies which God fulfilled, I would like to request you if you can please uh, tell our listeners that how the Quran was actually gathered. I think the very very important question to discuss the prophecies is 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 very important to discuss. And even though you know the, even the Quran is authentic or not, how it got gathered, whether the verses which you know proclaims the prophecies is mentioned the Holy Quran are they true or not? So if you can please touch upon that, how the Quran was gathered? Uh, yes, uh, it's a very um, interesting uh, subject. But you see, with regards to the gathering or collection of uh, the Holy Quran, it's it's not something that can be mentioned in a mere few minutes um, and the reason for this is because it was a long and uh, scrutinizing process because obviously it is the word of god almighty and every single word every single vowel even within the holy quran 
is something that has been uh, vouchsafed by God Almighty. So if we were to take up the, the collection of the Holy Quran, the writing down of the Holy Quran, this actually took place during the life of the Holy Prophet, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And there were different manuscripts um, that uh, various companions had. And then obviously during the time of the first caliph, those manuscripts were bought. And then upon each verse, you know, there were two witnesses that uh, had to testify to the fact that, yes, verse is a verse of the Holy Quran. So, I mean, I've just, you know, this is a, a very short snippet of um, that entire process of how during uh, Hazrat Abu Bakr, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, his time, the Holy Quran was collected. And then eventually, during the time of the third caliph, which <coughs> which was <coughs> Hazrat Usman, uh, in that time, then, the one um, recitation of the Holy Quran, which was known as the, the, the dialect of, of the, the Quraysh, um, that one was the one that was, um, you know, then spread throughout the whole of the world. It's not to say that, God forbid, the other forms of Qiraat or the, the other recitations, they are devalued, not at all. But as Hazrat Usman inferred and obviously he because he was a caliph uh, a rightly guided caliph and he was appointed by god almighty and he was inspired by god almighty so Hazrat usman said that the dialect that the holy quran has been revealed in that should be the predominant one and that should be the one that's spread throughout the whole of the world the entire entirety of the world so that's basically just a gist of uh, how the holy quran had been collected uh, thank you very much, uh, Imam uh, Rabib. Uh, moving on to prophecies now. Uh, could you please uh, explain the prophecy? I think very, very important and uh, something uh, you know amazing that uh, there's a prophecy regarding fingerprints and you know genetic engineering. Could you please uh, shed some light upon this? Uh, I think it's a great prophecy. It's amazing to be a person who's reading uh, now and you know. Um, the listening uh, a show that it's mentioned the Holy Quran is something must be incredible for them. Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, with regards to you know fingerprints and genetic engineering. So, with regards to fingerprints, the Holy Quran has stated in uh, chapter forty-one, verse twenty-one, that their skins will bear witness against them as to what they have been doing. Now, just imagine fourteen hundred years ago, uh, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him is being told that a time will come where your skin will bear witness against you know any action that you've done and nowadays we know that to trace a criminal or anyone that's committed a crime or involved in any criminal activity um, when the police investigate the scene of the crime um, you know they they look for fingerprints mm. so it is you know inconceivable that this was a sort of concoction, as some people state, of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, his mind. The fact that he was, and as, as the Holy Quran has mentioned, that he was unlettered, as in he did not know um, how to read or write. Yet, 1400 years ago, he, through the Holy Quran, told mankind that a time shall come where your skins will bear witness against you. And then with regards to genetic engineering, 
uh, in chapter 4, verse 120, it states that they will alter Allah's creation. Now, genetic engineering, in according to our perspective, there are some aspects of genetic engineering that are beneficial and that are useful for man, mankind, um, in the sense that if they provide benefit to mankind, then that form of genetic engineering is allowed. However, that form of genetic engineering where a person plays God Almighty and tries to alter the design of God Almighty, that's where mankind will ultimately see defeat and they will see uh, they will not be successful. Because if you try to alter the creation of God Almighty um, and use it in a very deceptive manner or use it not to the benefit of, of man, then you will see its harmful effects. And sometimes, you know, this is, I remember reading once there was a, a debate about, um, you know, the, the perfect man, right, that he should have uh, this much mass of muscle and and he should be in this shape and this form and, and so on and so forth. But you see the the problem with actually making that quote-unquote perfect man was that in the process of making that perfect man, he might come out deformed. Or, you know, there's a possibility that he would come out as a freak of nature because he has not been naturally created. He has been put on some steroids or some hormones or so on and so forth. So what I mean to say is that 1,400 years ago, when Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, announced these prophecies to the world, it was inconceivable that 1,400 years or so later, these things would transpire. And this actually showcases not only the truthfulness of Islam, the truthfulness of the Holy Quran, but the truthfulness that Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was a prophet and God Almighty vouchsafed such matters to him of the unseen that was inconceivable of, you know, inconceivable in any mind at that time when the Holy Prophet wasallam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was alive. So these prophecies, as I mentioned at the start, that the, the nature of a prophecy is to enlighten and inform the world of certain events, certain things that are going to happen. But again, they also showcase that the one who is telling those prophecies has been sent by God Almighty. Indeed, I think there's no doubt about it. And um, there's so many prophecies can be discussed. I think every every prophecy, you know, amaze uh, to a listener and to a reader as well. And uh, I think uh, I will go to my last question and I'll, I'll let you go after that. Uh, Imam Rabib, how the Quranic prophecies, you know, are still being fulfilled? We know they are prophecy. We see that being fulfilled, but they have already been fulfilled even before. But if you can just touch a little bit that how, you know, the Quranic prophecies are still being fulfilled nowadays. Yes, sir, absolutely. So one form of how the Holy Quran, the Quranic prophecies fulfilled is that we, you know, see time and again, um, there's various different uh, prophecies relating to, for example, space or cosmology. For mm-hmm. example, one verse in the Holy Quran talks about the expansion of the universe. 
And this is something that scientists are saying that, you know, the the universe is constantly expanding. Hmm. And it's something that, you know, they are unable to fully conceive. And obviously, <laughs> how can they fully conceive it when the designer is inconceivable hmm. and the designer himself cannot be comprehended? So it's still, you know, they are still uh, relatively, um, I won't say in their infancy in understanding the universe, but we can't say that they've reached the, the, the peak or the height of knowledge in, in understanding every minute detail of how the world is expanding or the universe is expanding. This is something that is continuing up till this very day. Um, and then there are you know, other prophecies. We spoke about genetic engineering. This is um, a matter that is you know, brought up time and again with regards to um, how you know, the genetic engineering can be used for food products. There are certain um, food products uh, even nowadays that are processed through genetic engineering. For example, the, the, the corn on the cob or the sweet corn that we have, mm. the corn on the cob, generally they say that this is genetically modified and this is part of genetic engineering. So even nowadays, these uh, Quranic prophecies are, are being fulfilled in this manner. And I think um, one very profound prophecy of the Holy Quran is in regards to the advent of the Messiah in the latter days. Mm, Because the Holy Quran also speaks about that. Because on the one hand, where the Holy Quran has spoken about these different worldly aspects, as a science, cosmology, the Holy Quran has also spoken about the universe. And the Holy Quran, um, uh, and uh, sorry, not the universe, the, the spiritual side as well. So the Holy Quran has mentioned um, in Surah Juma that there will come a time where there will be a Messiah and he will come to reform the world, but he will be a true servant of Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and he will perform those very tasks that were assigned to the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And there are four different tasks, that is, that relating, reciting the signs, the verses of, of God Almighty before the people, and teaching them the book, and wisdom, and purifying them. So all of these things uh, showcase that the Quran, the prophecies of the Holy Quran, they are being fulfilled time and again, and it is the belief of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community that that Messiah has come, and in this manner, that prophecy is being fulfilled Time and again, the Holy Quran uh, in our community has been translated into over 75 languages. That's one way that that prophecy has been fulfilled, that reciting the signs and the book of God Almighty before people. And the fact that now the Holy Quran is being translated into so many different languages of the world, this is the way that it's being fulfilled, that the Quranic verses are being recited before them in their very own language, of course. It's not to say that we don't um, publish the Arabic, but we publish the translation as well so that they can understand what the commandments of God Almighty are. And then there's so many different programs of the community um, that are for moral training. So this is one way that that aspect of uh, purifying his followers comes into place. Um, then, I mean, there's, there's so many different aspects that, that we can talk about. But, I mean, I've just talked about two different aspects about how these 
prophecies are also being fulfilled in, in a spiritual manner as well. Uh, true. Thank you very much for joining us today, Imam Rabib. It was a pleasure speaking with you and thank you uh, for giving us insight. I think this very important topic we're discussing today and at the end, the, the, the reason of discussing and you know having uh, Imam Rabib on, on board is to, to you know discuss these prophecies and to understand that the Quran is a, is a book from God Almighty is, is a, you know um, proof of uh, truthfulness of the Holy Quran and the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and uh, you know it's, it's give us uh, more opportunity to to think about it that uh, if we are away from God that God is there he exists and we have to connect ourselves because the God it was the God who told everything to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and mentioned uh, to us and we have front of us. And that's what two of the prophecies which um, you know Imam Rabib has mentioned to us. Thank you very much, Imam Rabib, for joining us today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Have a nice evening. Thank you so much. You Thank, you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much. Zakmullah. So uh, he was Imam Rabib uh, Mirza who was uh, joining us uh, from uh, London. Uh, he's a missionary of Ahmadiyya Muslim Association, currently working in MTA, Muslim Television Ahmadiyya. So just to give you a, a, you know, a quick, quick idea, there's so many different mm. prophecies of the Holy Quran which have been fulfilled. And we have seen and we are a witness ourselves yeah. that these have been fulfilled. As you mentioned earlier that about the fingerprints, the Holy Quran says, it's uh, chapter 41, verse 21, their skins will bear witness against them as to what they have been doing. So God Almighty had mentioned that, you know, that everything what you do, it, it is being written and it is being, you know, it, it will be presented to you and they will. And it also says that on the day of judgment, your hands and your eyes and your, they will stand witness against you and they will say oh you did this or you did this because this is this is the you know blueprint which is being preserved all the time whatever you do is preserved and fingerprints are examples which have been used by the humans to recognize and identify a person as well because you do not have a similar fingerprint as it is unique for you yourself only and that is why it is still the fingerprint system at borders um, where you know wherever you are going, um, crossing, um, you, know, you know, appearing in the another, going to another country, um, the criminal investigations, yes. the cells, immigration centers—they prove the fulfillment of this Quranic prophecy. Another one is about pollution. We were talking of earlier about climate mm. change and how it has affected the environment. And the Holy Quran says in chapters thirty, verse forty-two. Corruption has spread on land and sea because of what men's hands have wrought. Now, this is what makes that human beings will be responsible for what is happening on earth. And uh, one of the interpretations of this verse of the Holy Quran is the environmental pollution caused by human beings. And that is spread both in land and sea due to our own inventions, fumes from the chimneys of factories, chemicals, nuclear waste, huge traffic in the cities, noise and creation of ozone holes are manifest testimonies of the fulfillment of this prophecy. There's some, some kind of corruption. It is true. You know, the word God, God Almighty has mentioned. When you're taking something inappropriate 
and not giving it back is kind of corruption which you know should be there but you are not putting it back or you know just using it or have excessive use of something yeah because you have been made trustee and, yes. and you are not actually fulfilling your trust so it would have you know everybody would have taken care of years back you know if they are taking uh, cutting one tree putting another two as you mentioning before as uh, the khalifatul masih the khalif of ahmadiyya muslim association has mentioned that uh, if you are cutting one tree put another uh, two trees in there so if that has been done beforehand you know the climate change would have been entirely different uh, which we have right now if we you know um, discuss further another prophecy regarding life evolved in water you know in the verse of the holy quran it says do not uh, the, the unbelievers realize that the heavens and the earth were a solid mass then we split them asunder and we made every living thing out of water will they not, will they then not believe so the phrase which says that you know we made every living thing out of water means that everything every living thing was made of water as the essential component it could equally mean that every living thing originated in water the two possible meanings are strictly in accordance with the scientific data life is in fact um, of of aquatic origin and water is the major component of all living cells without water life is not possible when the possibility of life on the another planet is discussed the first question is always does it contain sufficient quantity of water to support a life or not so you know the most uh, organism are made up of more than 50% water in this case or in the case of humans water makes more than 70% of the weight of the body and in some organism like jellyfish their body are 98% water it is not only in one verse that holy quran informs us that allah created life from water but in many others such as in chapter 25 verse 55 and in chapter 24 verse 46 so there are so many evidence and so many you know verses are there which um, tells us you know again has mentioned 1400 years ago that the uh, every living thing is you know they've made out of water god has made out of water so nowadays we finding out which was mentioned 1400 years ago and a person who mentioned to us you know or god has revealed to him it was the holy prophet peace be upon him was let you know uh, illiterate person who didn't know how to read and write even then he has mentioned these things and again you know is when god says that he was illiterate he was he doesn't know how to read or to write it's not something you know ma- mentioning that uh, he was uh, uneducated the reason god mentioned this in the holy quran is to tell entire world that even though he doesn't know how to read and write he has not taken anything from any other scripture it is purely god who was telling him and that's what you know he's mentioning in front of his, his companions and it is the truthfulness of the holy prophet peace be upon him that every single word came out through him you know god revealed to him everything came true and he was a true prophet of uh, from uh, god almighty so moving on uh, you know there's another new transport system uh, there's a verse of the holy quran says and when the she camel stand months pregnancies are abandoned and he has you know created other verses and he has created horses and and mules and asses that you may ride them and as a source of beauty and he will create what you do not yet know 
how you know b- this big evidence in this that god didn't say that i only made uh, you know horses and mules for you and the, the the verse ends and he will create what you do not know at the moment yeah so Absolutely. amazing you know when you read this verse of the holy quran you you think that you know god he he does exist he is there and one of the uh, verse of the holy quran uh, uh, even there are so many verses i can mention i think i won't go into it i will ri- would like to mention one of the uh, saying that it says the reference in this verse into the replacement of camels by better and swifter means of transport railways trains motor cars airplanes etc there's also you know as i mentioned the saying of the holy prophet peace be upon him regarding camels as he said that the camels will be abandoned and will not be used for going from one place to another and we see that nowadays the desert or you know the, the camels which was main means of transport uh, you know even now there are very pit- some countries who still use it but it was a main you know mean of transport it used to be used but now we see it's been abandoned the car has replaced it this you know there are more cars than camels and horses and mules why because it was a prophecy in the holy quran that there is yet there are things yet to come and we see that things have changed and you know um as we know people especially living in in desert have now abandoned camels i was mentioning and other animals for traveling but this prophecy of invention and emergence of new transport system is ongoing as we witness new and faster modes of transportation emerging all the time if we discuss particularly regarding trains you know a great example of the fulfillment of this prophecy it was only in 1804 richard uh, if i'm not mistaken is a trivet Trivithic built a stream uh, locomotive for his iron works as uh, Penydrian in Wales. It was essentially built for a bed, but it did not manage to pull ten tons of iron. However, like most first models, it was highly unreliable. What he did encouraged others to improve on his design, and we see. You know, now they go even faster than cars and especially you know if you have a fast trains you can go to one country to another country in 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 2 hours so it's amazing if you want to go to even France now you just take a train 1 hour 45 minutes you in the Paris so the things got changed and all these things were mentioned in the holy quran many many years ago if we discuss discuss about the cars you know are one of the way to travel long distances in short period of time the prophecy was fulfilled in 1885 when the first motor wagon was introduced by Carl Benz before you know Benz introduced his motorized wagon vehicles capable of human transport were mainly steam powered the Benz car was the first car to use a gas powered internal combustion engine uh, this new horseless carriage had a powerful allure but it confused people most found it a strange you know uh, invention and that carriage could move without a horse you know we see sometimes there's a video on youtube you see that how the same carriage is moving without uh, without a horse so it must have been amazing for them there's something they can't even imagine even that time and see the holy prophet or the holy quran has mentioned 1400 years ago there are things yet to come there will be new you know uh, inventions Uh, will happen and we see the fulfillment of the prophecies mentioned in the holy quran 
after trains and cars one usual invention made by humans was airplanes again this prophecy was fulfilled when on december 17th 1903 wilbur and uh, orwell wright made four brief nights as kitty hawks with their first powered aircraft the wright brothers had invented the first successful airplane and when the she camels you know 10 months are banned as i mentioned earlier this prophecy is being fulfilled till this date when things like hoverboard are being invented now horse riding has become a leisure sport but this sport has decreased over the years so we i think we have uh, our guest uh, online from spain um is uh, imam atar rauf is our missionary in spain and uh, uh, we welcome him on our show uh, here on uh, radio voice of islam assalamu alaikum peace be on you uh, imam atar rauf Uh, sorry, you had to wait a bit uh, because we were discussing the prophecies, and of course, this is the topic: the prophecies of the Holy Quran. We are discussing today. So, my first question would be to you: the significance of the prophecies of the Holy Quran. I think about the significance of the Holy Prof- uh, of the prophecies of the Holy Quran. It's, it's very clear that if you consider the Holy Quran to be a word of God, then if it's prophecies are fulfilled, then it's a proof of the truthfulness of the Holy Quran. If someone asks us that if it is a book of God Almighty, then what about the prophecies that have been mentioned, that have been mentioned in the Holy Quran? Then the passage of time, if they are proved, then its significance is of great value. But we must understand here that, I mean, we need to have some criteria Uh, and some criteria needed in order to distinguish cases of lucky guesses from those of true prophecy in order to understand significance of the prophecies of the Holy Quran. So let us define a genuine prophecy as one that satisfies uh, the following criteria. For example, uh, the prophecy must be clear and it must contain sufficient detail to make its fulfillment by a wide variety of possible events unlikely. and this is when we look at the different prophecies of the holy quran we come to observe this very easily so i think we have uh, uh, imam uh, mirza tawro with us from spain uh, we'll uh, get back to him there was some kind of stuff sorry, in there sorry 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 i'll continue yeah that's fine I mean, uh, that's yeah. perfectly fine yeah. please you can carry on You say that, and then I'd like to mention here about the prophecy, the significance of the prophecy that the event that uh, can fulfill the prophecy must be unusual or unique. And the third point is that the prophecy must be known to have been made before the event is supposed to be its fulfillment. The fourth point is that the event foretold must not be of the sort that could be the result of an educated guess. And the other point is, is that the event that fulfills the prophecy cannot be staged or the relevant circumstances manipulated by those aware of the prophecy in such a way as to intentionally cause the prophecy to be fulfilled. Well, according to the, these criteria, we see that the Quranic prophecy, some of which will be, I mean, which we have been discussing, um, are quite gen- genuine and true. But no one can ever imagine that an unlatched person living in a 
nomadic society of Arabia 1400 years ago can predict such amazing scientific events to happen. It is, I mean, it is very beyond the human capacity to foretell or even visualize such incredible incidents. The only conceivable source of these prophecies and predictions is purely divine. But it is God Almighty that is taking a pivotal role in order to, uh, I mean, for the fulfillment of the prophecies. And interestingly, some prophecies are fulfilled by those, there are many prophecies are fulfilled by those who were not Muslims, rather, uh, many of them are atheists. And prophecies of God Almighty are fulfilled, I mean, many prophecies are, are fulfilled by atheists. That is also one of the proof of the uh, truthfulness of the Holy Quran. There's no question of, I mean, staging the prophecy or manipulating the circumstances arising. There are many prophecies we will, I mean, which we've been discussing I mean, uh, today. One of the prophecies that shows the significance of uh, uh, the, I mean, uh, that enlightens the significance of the prophecies of the Holy Quran. For example, uh, in chapter 81, verse 6, Allah Almighty states that, and when the wild beasts are gathered together. Now, nobody could ever imagine that one day wild beasts shall be captured, tamed and put together, enclosed and open paths. The establishment of zoo have fulfilled this prophecy. So the criteria that I had mentioned earlier, is, I mean, all the prophecies of the Holy Quran, but we do not have enough time to discuss, and um, only the significance of the prophecies of the Holy Quran the criteria that I mentioned, I mean, this particular criteria, and covers uh, the two I mean, significance of the prophecies. That if there are prophecies, then they're not only the prophecies, but they are in an absolutely manner, which can only be a divine manner. Um. Uh, thank you, uh, Imam Atarov. Uh, is it possible if you can uh, just bring your phone uh, a, a bit near to you? I think um, there's a disruption going on. The voice cut down or maybe, you know, slows down and then uh, goes up. Uh, if there's on speaker, you can just uh, take a okay, okay. I think we'll, we'll, I we'll think hear you more clearly and our listeners definitely would benefit from this. Okay. Uh, moving on to, okay. you know, uh, now it's very much better. Now, moving on to the another question we have uh, for you. If you can do some uh, mention how the prophecy, you know, regarding the safety of the Holy Quran, must fulfill as mentioned in the Holy Quran, even that God Himself will uh, protect, you know, protecting the Holy Quran. No safety, I think, is protecting more appropriate word here. Uh, could you please explain uh, that how it got protected and how the prophecy got fulfilled uh, for our listeners? Well, I think it's a very interesting question. Uh, we must remember that since the beginning of the revelation of the Holy Quran much care was taken to ensure that it is recorded with 100% accuracy. God Almighty himself gave a promise in the form of a prophecy that he will safeguard and protect the revelation of the Holy Quran from any kind of impurities. As he says in the Holy Quran in chapter 15 verse 10, Inna nahnu nazzalna zikra wa inna lahu Verily, we ourselves have sent down this exhortation, and most surely we will be its guardian. Now, in commentary of the above, above verse in Tafsir Kabir has Muslim the second caliph of Amdiya Muslim community notes that it is not a coincidence that the Quran 
has been preserved since its revelation. In fact, its preservation is hinted in the words Al-Kitab and Quran. This means that it was preserved in two ways. First, it was written down since the very beginning and I mean, and second, it has been memorized by many people in full since its very first revelation. Other than this, he notes several other I mean, factors that contributed to the preservation of the Holy Quran. For example, God ensured that such people exist who are able to memorize the Holy Quran cover to cover. The second point, the rhythm of the Holy Quran is very sweet and easy, enabling anyone to memorize it fully or in part without difficulty. That's why we see many who fast have memorized the Holy Quran in the world. Third point, the recitation of the Holy Quran was made obligatory in Salat. The five daily prayers helping to preserve it. And another point in this regard is this, that which is mentioned by the second caliph of the Muslim community, is that God created love in the hearts of people to recite it regularly. The fifth point is this, that God ensured that the Holy Quran spreads throughout the world right after its revelation, making it impossible for any group or government to make changes or amendments. The point number six is that various kinds of knowledge in Islam are based on the Qur'an, causing the Qur'an to be coated in all kinds of books related to different themes of study. As Muslim Allah says that, in his opinion, if the coated verses of the Holy Qur'an from all these books are collected and compiled, even then the whole Qur'an can be compiled from just those references. References. Another point that the academic form of Arabic never changed and can be understood even today with ease. This helped preserve the original language of the Quran, in turn supporting the preservation of the Holy Quran itself. Point number eight is this, that God Almighty protected the Quran by sending fresh revelation in its support through uh, Mujaddideen and other chosen ones. Adding to the eight point uh, mentioned by Hazrat Muslim he notes that in this day and age uh, when a religiousness has reached its climax, God has sent the promised Messiah who has purified the Quran from all incorrect interpretations and commentaries and presented it to the world in its purest form. Hence in this manner God has ensured that the Holy Quran is preserved both in its scripts and in its true meanings and message. What is more is that the Holy Quran itself points to how much care was taken in this way. It was really in order to ensure its purity. For instance, God says that the Quran was revealed at a slow pace so that the Holy Prophet is upon him and the companions can learn it methodically and thoroughly without flashing through it. As Allah states in the Holy Quran in chapter I mean, 17 verse 107 And the Quran we have revealed in pieces that thou mayest read it to mankind in interval, at intervals and we have sent it down uh, piecemeal. So in this way uh, God Almighty has really protected the Holy Quran which is in the hearts of all Muslims in the world. 
yes, there can be different, I mean, uh, different interpretations that some of the Muslims were strayed and they did not understand the Holy Quran. But in terms of interpretations, okay, we can find some of the uh, conceptions. But this was also foretold by the Holy Prophet. But time would come when Muslims would be strayed. At that time, in order to really, for the protection of the interpretation of the Holy Quran, God would send a Messiah. And, I mean, for the literal protection also, God would send a Messiah. And he would really, uh, I mean, bring about the true teachings of Allah the Almighty and, and, and the Holy Quran. So that the founder of the Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ulam is that Messiah, is that holy founder who has really proved to the world that there is not an iota of uh, the Holy Quran is to be abrogated in any way whatsoever. And Quran is safe in, it, in its pure form as it was revealed on the Holy Prophet faith upon him 1400 years ago. So in this way, uh, literally and uh, spiritually, the Holy Quran is being saved by the grace of Allah Almighty. Uh, indeed, uh, Imam uh, Tarouf. One other thing, you know, I would uh, mention here, as you were mentioning, how it was protected. Uh, I would like to mention one other thing about the truthfulness of the Holy Quran. One of the uh, there was there's, there's a person who was appointed particularly uh, to prove or to you know to to research whether the Quran which uh, you know Muslims have is it right or not. And it was a Christian uh, person who was given a huge sum to do a research. And at the end, you know, he found out that the, every single word of the Holy Quran is exactly the same was there in the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. So we see that uh, even though, you know, the people probably have a bad intention in the beginning, at the end find out that, yes, this is the book God has protected. And I think there is another, uh, you know, uh, fulfillment or, you know, we see that even the, the people who are, uh, not under Muslim or they have different religion. Even they, even they, you know, they recognize or they have uh, discussed that these that the Quran is exactly the same shape or exactly the same wording which was there in the time of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. And uh, now uh, moving on uh, to our last question, I would like to uh, request um, uh, Imam Atawra if you could just briefly mention this and then uh, we can conclude it. That as you mentioned about the you know, protecting of the Holy Quran. Can you please just uh, share any other prophecy of the Holy Quran which could fulfill within uh, a minute or two, please? Well, uh, well, I'll be briefly highlighting some of the prophecies. For example, uh, one of the prophecies about fingerprints, Allah states in the Holy Quran, chapter 41, verse 21, that their skins will be a witness against them as to what they have been doing. Now, the fingerprint system at borders Criminal investigation cells and immigration centers prove the fulfillment of this Quranic prophecy amazingly. Another prophecy is about pollution. Allah says in the Holy Quran that corruption has spread on land and sea because of what men's lands have wrought. Now, chapter 30, 30 in verse 42. Now, one of the interpretations of the above verse of the Holy Quran is the environmental pollution caused by human beings. And that is spread both in land and sea due to our own inventions that is fumed from chimneys of factories, chemical and nuclear waste, huge traffic in the cities, noise and creation of ozone hole air are manifest testimonies of the fulfillment of this prophecy. 
there's another prophecy that roads in of the roads in mountains. Allah states in the Holy Quran, chapter eighty one, verse four. And when the mountains are made to move, now, centuries before the invention of dynamite, the Holy Quran prophesied the blowing up and moving of the mountains. Amazing. You know, very yeah. much, you know, I'm amazed when uh, we were discussing here and I hope our listeners are amazed as well that even, how is it even possible that a prophecy is not just one prophet, the prophet after another, a prophecy and after another prophecy as mentioned in the Holy Quran and they got fulfilled and even now we see that they are getting fulfilled and again the thing is the truthfulness of the Holy Quran that indeed is from God Almighty and God has protected it and the you know this is our duty again uh, to, to reflect back and think are we worshipping him and understanding our true God and you know are we fulfilling our duties or not I think uh, that's the whole purpose of discussing uh, the prophecies of the Holy Quran. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Imam uh, Ms. Ataro, for joining us today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And I hope uh, it is still uh, evening in Spain and uh, you're enjoying that as well uh, with the wonderful weather. weather. Thank you very much thank once again. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Have a nice evening. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. My pleasure. So we were discussing with uh, Imam uh, Mirza Taro from Spain. He has discussed uh, different uh, prophecies, especially how the Quran got protected and uh, how the, the prophecy got fulfilled of protection of the Holy Quran. And, uh, you know, God has undertaken that responsibility. And, uh, he has made that uh, this Quran reaches to us as it was in the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And again, mentioning, as I was mentioning before, the whole purpose of mentioning these prophecies of the Holy Quran, the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Holy Quran is to understand that our God is a living God who is there, who listens, and we have to worship him. We have to fulfill the commandments or, you know, the, 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 the what God wants from us. And if we are fulfilling it, then we are understanding a true God. And we have to read the Holy Quran as uh, uh, the first Imam, Imam, uh, Rabbi Mirza has mentioned the Quran has been translated into many languages and every person, you know, there's so many, more than 100 languages. Uh, the translation is there. You can read the translation and benefit from this. At the end, I would like to uh, thank the producer of today's show, Nurul Sabah and um, Aniko Rahman as myself have produced it. But I think uh, there's another producer we have, Dr. Tariq Bajwa. Uh, who helped with this and I would like to thank the technical team who's working behind the scene and on to this I will take a leave from you guys and I hope we'll um, you know listen to each other once again until next time assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh